0: What is up, fellow Thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Valley coming at you with another NBA team look ahead. We are on to the Utah Jazz, and that means for the third consecutive season, we will be speaking to the Athletics' Tony Jones. Follow him on Twitter, at Jones on the NBA, spelled exactly as it sounds, and you can also see it on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. I have many questions for him, just because the Jazz did a thing or two over the offseason. But the most important question I have for you, Tony, how the heck are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. I'm I'm here and, you know, we're on the, the, the cusp of another NBA season. So we're blessed to do what we love to do. So uh, we are we are we are one of the best blessed ones. So I appreciate you having me on.
0: I appreciate you coming back a third time. You know, the first two I can maybe trick people into. But if you come back a third time, it's your fault. At that point, you know what you're in for on the podcast. All that means I just like you. Yeah, that's not a very popular opinion, though. So, <laughs> I will say, while I am happy that we get to do what we do this off season, even though it was the longest one in three years, flew by for me. It didn't feel like it was the longest one. It felt like it was over. I could have used like another two weeks probably before getting into the thick of everything. I'm not gonna lie.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what happens when you know there's so much. There was a lot of there was a lot of going on this off season. So. And especially with I, the team that you cover. <laughs> yeah, especially with the team I cover. And there'll be a lot going on next offseason, too. So, yeah. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> I don't want to turn this into like a retrospective on the offseason, but I do have to ask just given we the haul that they got for Rico Bear, Don Mitchell, absolutely monstrous, was now the right time to tear it down and start over to that extent, in your opinion?
1: Well, I mean, if you get the. Uh, you know, they got more than what they should have for Donovan and Rudy as good as Donovan and Rudy were. I mean, they, they got, you know, um, assets and assets haul for both of those guys, you know, that you'd normally see for top five to top 10 guys. And, you know i think that rudy is a top 10 to top 15 guy i think the donovan is a top 20 to top 25 guy you know they essentially from the years 2025 to 2029 they essentially control two teams drafts yeah. for for though for all four or five of those years so um you know with the assets that they got um with the assets that they got for royce o'neill they got a first for royce o'neill um they have a they have three first round picks uh, in this upcoming draft, which is one of the best uh, one one of the best drafts uh, on paper that I've that I've ever seen uh, in covering this sport. Then you know, I mean, then it's, it's the right time um, because the question that you have to answer is, were you going to win a championship with the core that you had? And the answer was likely no. Um, so if you get you know four first round picks for Rudy Gobert a first-round pick for Royce O'Neal and three, first, three other first-round picks for Donovan Mitchell. You basically got eight first-round picks out of that. Then on top of that, you got Walker Kessler and Ochai Abaji out of this year's draft. So that's, you know, essentially nine or ten first-round picks. Um, you know, you, you you probably did pretty good for yourself.
0: They or They may have single-handedly just reset the superstar trade market price. Just when you're looking at what they got for both Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, that is just, we know teams give up a lot for superstars, but that was just a caps lock haul for both of them. And I think it's going to impact how teams not go about their asking prices when they're trading stars in the future. But if you're a team looking to trade for a star, you have to put that as part of the calculus, like, oh, we're going to have to bankrupt our asset. Well, so we better be ready after we make this superstar trade. I feel like this single handedly just sort of shifted the superstar trade paradigm and just this. Upward directory in part because I do believe teams for now we will see what happens to the next CBA and as the cap goes up, but stars aren't moving around in free agency anymore
1: well, I mean it certainly it certainly wrecked the market for the summer um, <laughs> i you know I certainly i I think that the reason Kevin Durant is still a Brooklyn net is because of Rudy Gobert um, you know so i it it definitely wrecked the market for the summer we'll see what happens next summer when the market resets it kind of resets itself and and over to over the trade deadline um obviously i think the lakers are a real team to watch or a team to watch there um with 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 their assets um but you know it's it's one of those things where um the the market sets uh during one cycle And then it kind of plays out during that cycle. And then you have to see what happens with the market sets during the next cycle.
0: My last question on this is when you look at Donovan Mitchell, he's 26, three years left on his contract before he goes into free agency. What goes into the thought process of moving him now, rather than trying to rebuild around him? Does it say something about how far the jazz thought they could go with him as their best player? Does it say more about what they thought he would do once he got, if he ever got to, to free agency or was it just, we can't like these offers are so monstrous that we're going to lean all the way into this thing and control a, a crap ton of draft picks.
1: Well, I think it's a confluence of things. Um, I think it's uh, if you're going to trade a guy of that caliber, you, you're going to want to trade him with more years left on his deal than less years, because that's how you, that's how yeah. you exact value. Um, he loses value. The, the deeper he gets into to the, to the contract. Um I think you know the second thing is um, you know in, in there are some there were some that didn't within the jazz organization that didn't know uh, whether Donovan had a total 100 percent buy into what they were doing. and then there were some in the jazz organization that you know just didn't know if Donovan uh, could be the the, the, the the piece on the championship team. Um, now that being said, like you said, Donovan's, a uh, top 20 to 25 player right now. He's a year in year out all-star, um, you know, and he's going to make Cleveland a lot better with the pieces that they already have.
0: They hire Will Hardy and we can go with the Brian Windhorst team. Why would they do that? Um, but do you have any sense for stylistically, um, how they're going to play under Will Hardy? Like what to sort of expect from them this season and their, their play style? Well they're definitely gonna play
1: hard. Um oh hard, hardy. Okay, let me stop. That was corny, but
0: uh you know,
1: definitely gonna play hard. But you know, I expect a lot of five out basketball. Um uh with Kelly Olenek uh, at the center, at the center spot. I expect um I expect the Jazz to shoot a lot, take, take a lot of three point shots. Um, you know, definitely, you know, motion offense. Um you know, I expect as as uh, we get into year two, year three, the Jazz prioritize uh, positional length and athleticism, um, which is a little different than uh, the Quinn Snyder regime. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I you know I, ex- I expect you know Will's teams to be competitive. Uh, he's a really competitive guy. Uh, he's a guy that uh, I don't think that he'll react to. Um, uh, less than 100% effort. Uh, and I don't think that he's scared to sit people. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I expect out of this team, I, I think this team is going to play hard and they're going to be as scrappy as possible and and kind of see where the chips fall.
0: A lot of people assume that they're going to suck. And when you look at the roster, actually, they're not built to suck. And I know you sort of just wrote a piece on this as well, but would you expect them to enter the real tanking race this season via trades are shut down. Do you think they're just going to be organically bad? Or if we want to call it rebuilding enough to not have to worry about that because you look at them on paper and if they don't make a single trade, whatever their over under is like, I think it's 24, 25 at this point, like they're, if everyone's healthy, like they're better than a 24, 25 win team. They're just, they're not built to be San Antonio
1: or Indiana right now. No, not right now. And, in, in, you know, I'm, um, like I reported, they don't want to be. They don't want to be Houston. They don't want to be uh, Orlando. Um, you know, and that being said, they're going to lose a lot of games at the beginning of the season just because the schedule is, is really, really difficult. Something like 10 of their first 15 are on the road. Um, they, they've got Denver and Minnesota coming up this week. Um, they've got Denver again next week. They've got the Lakers. They've got the Clippers. They've got the Mavericks. I mean, it's just team after team after team in their first 20 um, that, you know, even a really, really good team uh, will struggle with that kind of schedule. So um, they're going to come out and they're going to try to be competitive and they're going to try to win every game, every game possible. What people don't realize is that this is a roster uh, full of guys who are fighting to stay in the NBA. Mike Conley is fighting for another contract. Rudy Gay is fighting for another contract. Malik Beasley is fighting uh, for, you know, another long-term contract after the one that he's on. Kelly Olynyk's probably fighting for another contract. Um, Jared Vanderbilt, you know, he, he's going to want a long-term contract. You know, you can go down the list. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, you know, he wasn't extended. He didn't get a rookie extension. He's going to be a restricted free agent uh, next summer. So, you know, he's fighting to stay in the league. Uh, Doka Azabuki is likely going to be fighting to stay in the league. You know, same thing for Leandro Balmero. You can go down the line, and this is a unique roster in terms of guys who uh, are, are fighting for something in their careers. Right now, if, you know, I had to, um, you know, close my eyes and think, you know, the only – Uh, The only guys on the Jazz roster who are really actual comfortable um, in terms of where they are in their career is, you know, probably Laurie Markkinen um, and Walker Kessler and and Ochai Abaji. You know, other than that, I mean, these people are all fighting for something. So, you know, to to, you know, you know, I know what the 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 noise is around the team, you know, tank this, tank that. And, you know, the Jazz may very well end up losing a lot of games. But I know the people within that team, they're going to be fighting to win every game. I do think a lot of people
0: mistake tanking for happening too much on the court when I think a majority of it happens off the court with the moves that teams make and the front office. And I would, my callous perspective is that they do need to play that game because when you look at this roster and you sort of touched upon a little bit, there's like a little bit of transience to it where you're talking about guys in contract years, guys who just don't profile as long-term keepers. And so does that make this challenging in your more challenging than usual in year one of a rebuild where there's not, yeah, you can look at Akbaji and um, uh, Kessler and, and think that, well, we want these guys around long-term and you did just have Colin Sexton, but you have all these other players that I just don't think factor into the bigger picture is There is a certain challenge of not being able to point at a guy or two and be like, these are who we plan to, to rebuild around because this is just right. very much like stage one of the, the rebuild from scratch.
1: Well, and that, and that's the thing. I mean, that, that's more reason to, to realize, you know, how, how this team is going to come out and try to be competitive because, you know, they're not auditioning. They're not only auditioning for the jazz. They're auditioning for the rest of the league mm-hmm. as well. If you, you know, close your eyes and you look three years into the future, look into to the year 2025, that's three years. How many of these guys are likely to be on with the jazz, you know, maybe three, if we're lucky, maybe. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, there even, there was even talk. I mean, you look at Sexton and marketing people have viewed them as like, Oh, that's players that the jazz want to reroute later are either of those two though. Like, do you get a sense or the organization valuing them long-term or about just the type of impacts they have um, on this team? And I think Sexton immediately is the most polarizing one, he misses most of last year with his injury, doesn't really have a ton of suitors and restricted free agency. We're talking about someone who just recently averaged 24 plus per game, points plus per game, shot over 50% on twos, a nice clip from three. And so is there any sense of, like, does this organization view him as maybe a long-term keeper, or is this very much just sort of like a, a stopgap?
1: Well, they signed him to a four-year deal uh, for $72 million. But I think that every single player... That's on this team right now uh, from 1 to 15 is going to have to prove um, that they're a long term piece. So you go from the top down, Laurie Marketing, Colin Sexton, Jared Vanderbilt, you know, all of those guys are going to have to prove that they're long term pieces. Malik Beasley, he's going to have to prove um, that he's a long term piece because um, the roster spots are going to start being, they're going to start dwindling really quickly. You've got, Three first round picks next year. The Jazz, even if the Jazz trade one of them, they're likely to use two of them. That's two roster spots right there. They've mm-hmm. got, they're gonna have 30, 35 million dollars um, in, in salary cap space. You know, so that's you know, three or four more roster spots right there. So right now, conservatively, we're talking about six new players on the team next year that are not on the team right now. So that means conservatively, we're, we're talking bare bones. That's six guys that are on this roster this year that are not going to be here next year. So, I mean, you can see, you know, how, how, how quickly this turnover um, is, is going to take place. So if you're Colin Sexton, if you're Lloyd marketing, if you're, you know, even if you're one of the old heads, even, even if you're Mike Conley or Rudy Gay or Jordan Clarkson, somebody like that, you know, they're going to have to prove individually, each one of them, um, that they're part of the plan going forward. So, you know, I I you know, to be honest, I think that probably, you know, the the two that I would, you know, the two or three I would safe be safest to say uh, are LARP, uh, are marketing uh along with Kessler and Abaji. Um, but even with you know Walker Kessler, what happens if the Jazz get the first pick of the draft and they give Victor Wimbayana, Then, you know, all of a sudden if you're Walker Kessler, you know, you're you're a backup for the rest of your career with, with this team. You know, so I mean it it's it's definitely one of these things where um you know you could talk collective all you want to, you can put your, you know, you could throw your hands in the team huddle, say one, two, three, jazz, one, two, three team, all you want to. But I can guarantee you that every last one of these guys are going home every night and they're like, you know, what can I do to prove my worth? You know, not only to the jazz, but the rest of the NBA.
0: I like the little Easter egg in there that you expect Victor Wembanyama to be a center in the NBA. I never would have thought I look at his frame and I'm like, I don't know if he's going
1: to be playing center, but I like that you threw that in there. I mean, to be honest, you know, I'm sorry. I, I'm a. It, that's a misnomer. That man can play any of the front court positions.
0: Yeah. So you're. Well, all I'm saying is Walker Kessler's safe. Him and Juan Brianna could play together. They could. He be could. The yes. Tournament.
1: Walker Kessler could absolutely. You know. I. They, they could. They could absolutely play together. Absolutely. No question. Uh, so when you're
0: outlining all these things, how? Whether you're doing it internally as the team or externally as someone who's covering the team or rooting for the team, how do you go about measuring progress for the Jazz this season? Because you can look at individual players and play Akbaji and Edwards, which I'll you know uh, I'll ask you about in a second. But when all these other players just might not be here for the long term, how do you like? What is the barometer for progress in year one of this this rebuild?
1: Well, definitely Will system, you know. Um, definitely the, the the system offensively, defensively, definitely the culture that's set in the locker room and on the floor. Um, definitely Walker Kessler's individual progress. Um, definitely Ocha Abaji's individual progress. And Abaji is farther behind Kessler. Kessler is far, farther along right now than Abaji is. And, you know, Colin Sexton's progress and Laurie Marketing's progress, you know, all of those guys who are, you know, 25 and under, though their progress, um, you know, Leandro Balmero, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, you know, Taylor Horton-Tucker. I mean, there's a ton of young guys uh, on this team that, you know, you can develop and then, you know, maybe one of them hits and, you know, let's say Laurie Marketing blossoms into a franchise piece. He goes from, you know, complimentary piece in Cleveland to, oh, my God, he's averaging 21 and 10 uh, with the Jazz, and it's an impactful 21 and 10. Well, that's a win for the Jazz. You know, Ke- you know Walker Kessler, um, you know, by game 40 or game 60, you know, the Jazz realize – you know, what are we doing here? You know, this guy deserves to be in the starting lineup. Let's go ahead and put him in the starting lineup. Well, that's also a win for the Jazz. Yeah. You know, Osha Abaji starting out, um rotating between uh the G League and, and the Jazz, and then Jazz, you know, by game 25 or game 30, is say, like, oh, my God, you know, what are we doing here? He's averaging 77 points in the G League. Let's just put him in the rotation. You know, things like that, Um, you know, And there are things to play for, for the Jazz uh, over this 82. And, you know, I I think, you know, some individual development is definitely one of them. I think, um, you know, some of the other stuff is, um, you know, setting the culture uh, inside and outside the locker room, on the floor and off the floor, um, in the community. Um, Even if guys are not going to be here, you know, this is the way this team plays, you know, under Will Hardy. This is the way this team acts under Will Hardy, you know, because, well, you know, this is Will Hardy's ship and he's one that's going to be here next year the year after and the year after that.
0: Yeah, I do think that's important because, and this isn't even to criticize him, but I feel like there hasn't been a lot of just stylistic distinction in Houston, but because they have players who are, like you point to them and go, oh, Jalen Green is that dude or Alperen Shangun is that dude. Um, because they might have just more of a long-term asset base in place, it's not as important to see like this discernible. I think this year it's, it's mega important, but like through the first two years, and part of that, not Steven Silas's fault. They have the whole James Harden fiasco um, mucks up, really the first season, even though he gets traded early. So that's what I look at personally when I'm looking at rebuilding teams that don't seem to have like necessarily a blue-chip prospect, is if I watch them, like can I just identify what they're trying to do and how they're, how
1: they're trying to play? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing, you know, you don't that that's that's why the jazz have, you know, they've communicated that, you know, culture is going to be important and they don't want to completely bottom out because, you know, if you teach losing habits to, to younger guys, it doesn't matter whether those guys are there or not. The culture is going to be there. And, you know, it's, it's hard to get that back. And the jazz lost their culture last year more than anything. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, that era just kind of, that era of the jazz just kind of stalled. So, you know, I think that, you know, building brick by brick, uh, for the jazz and, you know, for the jazz trying to build it the right way, um, or how they see it as the right way. I think it's important to them.
0: I set the over under before this podcast of me referring to Walker Kessler as Kessler Edwards at 1.5 in the first 20, 20 minutes. I only, I only fucked up once. So we once. hit the under on that. It's that once. was the goal. That was the goal. Um, Walker Kessler. Can we get a Walker Kessler
1: hype train check? What are your impressions early on of his game? Um, I think that he's a unique player to anybody on, on the roster. Um, he's, he's got a high motor. He's very, very athletic, um, very bouncy, um, and he protects the rim well. And he's, he's a tough kid, and he plays hard. Um, you know there are times where um he has no idea what's going on defensively um there are times where he's in the wrong spot offensively um but those are things that you can teach and he's a smart guy and he watches a lot of film the things that you can't teach uh the motor um the the toughness on uh, the athleticism on both ends of the floor um the hands he's got really good hands he's got soft hands where he can make uh, catches in traffic, um, those are things that you can't teach, and those are things that he has. So right off the bat, there's a baseline. Um, I'm, you know, I I, I think that he's going to be an easy ten year pro. Um, you know how he picks up the stuff that he needs to pick up through coaching. Um, that's gonna that's gonna dictate his ceiling. Uh, I think that his jump shot is going to dictate his ceiling if he somehow becomes uh, a guy who can knock it down from the perimeter. His value goes way up. Uh, So, you know, I think he has a chance to be a starter in this league. Um, Mm -hmm. But he's certainly going to he's certainly going to make it through, you know, at least two or three contracts in this league for sure.
0: He does look like someone who's going to be able to, even when he's out of position, bust up a lot of plays from behind with his hands um, from the stuff that I've watched of him, which is good. What do you view for him? Like what's the best way to streamline or test his offensive development? Are they going to give him like the green light to chuck some jumpers? Is it just, we want to space the floor around him and let him try to do stuff around the basket. Like, what's just the best way
1: to use him in in year one? Or is it just to explore everything? Well, he's already, he, he's already shown the ability to be a vertical spacer. Um, you know, and I think that he's also shown um, the ability to finish on top of the rim, um, which are two important things. You know, so the next thing is for him to, you know, just get the, um, the, the confidence uh, to step out and, and try to make shots. Um, and I think that those will come. Um, you know, one of the things that Minnesota liked uh, was, you know, they had him in for a workout. Uh, he shot really well in the workout. Uh, it's one of the reasons why they drafted him. They were, they believed in his shot, and they were sorry to have to put them, put him them in the trade. Um, you know, so the, the, the Timberwolves definitely thought that he could play. The Jazz definitely think he can play. Um, he's going to be in the rotation uh, on opening night against Denver, uh, and we'll see, you know, how much time did he get?s Do you think they'll try
0: playing him with Vanderbilt at the front court extensively, or they look to stagger those two more?
1: Um, you know, I think if you play in Vanderbilt, you you're gonna wanna play, have Laurie Marketing on the floor. Um, you know, one of the things with Jared is, you know, he's he's not a ball handler, he's not a finisher, he's definitely not a shooter. Um, he's a defender, he's a rebounder. Great defender, really, really good defender. Best defender I on the Jazz.
0: called him on defense the um, the human embodiment of caffeine. Like if caffeine was to take in yeah. like a, a carnivore, it'd be him.
1: Yeah, he, he's Utah's best defender by like miles and miles and miles. At this point, it's not even close. So, um, you know, but you know, he's you know he's got to uh, definitely you know just kind of figure out um, you know how to finish. I don't know if that's ever going to come with him um you know some guys are just destined to be what they are and i think that jared is is one of those guys so you know that being said you know you got to have some skill and you got to have some shooting around him um to to kind of compensate on the offensive end uh
0: it's i have the same question for akbaji any early impressions of his game and do we read anything into how limited his his preseason usage was
1: oh Um, yeah you can read into it i mean he's not in the rotation so, <laughs> I just- <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you like it's definitely, you know, it's it's, it's kind of not a secret, you know, with the way he's played. I mean, so, I mean, w- with the, how many minutes he's played, um, you know, he's, you know, I, I think that, you know, he's done some stuff well. I think when he's on the floor, you can the athleticism pops. You can see the athleticism. Um, you know, but I think that he's. You know, I think that he's going to have to develop some stuff uh, to get on the floor. And you know, some of this is just a numbers game, right? Like, you know, Ochai is a two-three. You know, they they're playing Laurie at the three. They're they have playing, so many guards.
0: Yeah, so they have so many
1: non-wings. I should say that's basically they have yes. so many non-wings. You know, you've got Jordan Clarkson, you've got Malik Beasley, you've got Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, there's just a lot of there's just a lot of stuff between Abaji and the floor right now. And, you know, and some of that, you know, some, some of those roadblocks might get cleared out, you know, by the deadline. And, you know, uh, we might get to a point in this season where the jazz are like, you know, okay, let's just play Ochai 25 minutes a night for the rest of the season for 30 games. Um, but, you know, right now, you know, he's not going to be in a rotation to start the season. Um, and, you know, if you if I had my best guess, um, I think they you know, he's going to rotate between uh, the Jazz and the G League, uh, at least to start the season.
0: When you look at this roster um, and we've kind of already discussed this, you they have like a lot of 25 and under guys, but you can't necessarily pinpoint like, oh, who are they invested in long term? And there's like Baggi, um, there's Kessler. And even Vanderbilt, you could throw in there. Is there someone? What I'm getting at, even outside of the Sexton realm, that this that will either play a bigger role this season than people are expecting, or that the Jazz might be more intrigued by long term than people are talking about right now.
1: Um, I don't know if 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 there's some somebody that really um stands out underneath uh, under under that definition. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, it'll be inter- I don't know if he's going to be in the rotation on on Wednesday night um, my guess is that it's probably 50/50 um, you know I know that so you know Conley uh, Clarkson uh, marketing Vanderbilt Olenek are the starters um, Saxton uh, Walker Kessler um, Malik Beasley and Rudy Gay probably be off the bench. That's probably your nine. So, you know, if you're going, if, if, if Will Hardy plays a 10th guy, um, then that's probably, you know, it it could be Taylor Horton Tucker. It could be Nikhil Alexander Walker. Um, You know, so, you know, those out of those nine, you know, none of those guys, you know, you know, qualify as somebody who's going to have a bigger role than, Previously, previously started. I mean, previously thought. But if anything, you know, it could go the other way because Colin Sexton probably has a lesser role than we previously thought because we thought that he was going to be a starter, and right now it doesn't look like he's going to be a starter.
0: Yeah, that was interesting. Although, if he stays off the bench all year, he's he's like built for that role. I think. Who I am? In, who intrigues you more then? Um, Talon Horton Tucker and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I will say I'm very interested to see what Talon Horton Tucker can do in some of the lineups that have a bunch of spacing because when he was with the Lakers, like they would run out units that had worse spacing than like Kentucky in college. Like their their, their floor is so clunky, and I think the Jazz are built to, in a lot of their lineups, at least open it up for him uh, a little bit more.
1: I think that Talon Horton Tucker and Nikhil Alexander-Walker both have to prove that they're NBA players this year Um, at this point. um. Um, I would say especially so when Nikhil Alexander Walker. Um, I think that Taylor Horton Tucker um, has an NBA skill, which is I think that he can score off the dribble. Um, I'm not sure what Nikhil's NBA skill right now is. Um, you know, so both of those guys, for me, um, when you look at them, they're going to they've 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 got to prove um that they belong in the league long term so um you know it, it'll be interesting to see uh, how much time those guys um um get and you know what happens over the course of the year um you know I think the one thing that we know or that we can that, that we can you know um, predict um you know, at least semi-confidently, is that the nine-man rotation um, that we're going to see on on Wednesday night is not going to be the nine-man rotation for 82 Mm -hmm. games. So, you know, I think that people are going to get, you know, people are going to get opportunities. You know, it's a long season. It's, you know, it's 82 games, Mm -hmm. six, seven months, you know, so – um, just because you're not in the rotation in game one doesn't mean you're not going to be in a rotation in game 50.
0: I will say I'm more intrigued by now long-term and the best way I can frame it is I very much enjoy the journey of what he does. It's just the destination's always wrong. When you look at like putting the ball in his hands, where it's always, oh, he's not passing enough or what are these decisions he's making off the dribble, but it's like watching the aesthetics of his game, the stuff that he does, I guess until like really last season, I was a big believer in, but it's just the, the it's again, the journey is entertaining. The destination is horrifying a lot of the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, look, you've, you've got to be able to hang your hat on with something, with something in the NBA. Um, so I think that Nikhil is a really good rebounder, four-point guard. Um, I think that uh, he's very, very good at passing off the dribble. Um, which is a really, really underrated skill uh, for an NBA guard. People don't realize how underrated that skill is to be able to to, to be able to hit hit people off the dribble, um, you know. But the jump shot is just not there. Uh, he doesn't finish in the lane. He doesn't finish at the basket. Uh, he doesn't really have a mid-range game. Um, I think he's pretty good, pretty passable defensively. Uh, the fact that he's six foot five really helps because it gets him on the floor at any one of three positions, um, you know, but, you know, he's, he's got a lot to prove. I mean, he's going to be a restricted free agent um, at the end of this year. Uh, so, you know, he's going to have to pop uh, in some, in some manner this year. And, and if he doesn't, then, you know, this it's, it's going to be one of those things where I think that he's going to be fighting to get a contract.
0: Yeah, um, I still I wish he would follow through on more of his drives, too, because I feel like he could put better pressure like on the rim. But his finishing has been all over the place, like you already mentioned. I'm still holding out a little bit of hope. I'll rent a little bit of space on the kill Alexander Walker Island. Not too much of it, though. Does this team, when you look at how they're going to play and who's on the roster to start the season, have any underrated or identifying strengths that you don't think are receiving enough attention heading into the regular season?
1: Well, I mean, it's a team that's going to be able it's a roster that's going to be able to score. Um, you know, you put Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Malik Beasley, Lloyd Martin, Kelly Olenek, um, Colin Sexton, you put all those guys out there, they're going to score points. Uh, Rudy Gay, you know, they're going to score points. So, you know, I think that that's, you know, that's that's an, an aspect that people aren't really uh, looking at. Uh, I think that, you know, another underrated aspect that people really don't – are are really kind of overlooking is how hard this team is going to play. Like, I, I, I think this team is going to play really, really hard um, from night to night. Um, you know, so those are two things, you know. But, man, from what I see, this is going to be a really – it has a chance to be a really bad defensive team. And, and, um, there there's a chance that, you know, the the, the lane is just a highway to the basket for layups, um, with, with some of the lack of room protection out there. Um, you know, but like you said at the, the very, very beginning of the show, there's enough firepower on this roster to accidentally win 35 games. And, um, in a year like this, if the Jazz win 35 games, they might find themselves in the play-in. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's it's definitely one of those things where, you know, the the way that how hard this team is going to play, um, the, you know, they're they're going to win some games that you know, frankly, they shouldn't be winning.
0: I think they might be a sneaky, like, oh, this team is shooting a really high clip on off the dribble jumpers when you look at, like, who's on the roster. Oh, yeah, we, sure. we mentioned offense overall, but we've talked about, like, in the past, their offensive pecking order where they could have used more of that. And, like, now they just have all these guys that maybe not all of them do it in a ton of volume, but there are a bunch of guys that can do it in medium volume and do it semi-efficiently now. And so that might, that itself, if they're able to make shots off live dribbles, that's going to catch a ton of defenses off guard this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, especially Jordan Clarkson. He's, he's Mr. Three-point sh- three shot off the dribble, so, um, you know, Clarkson, uh, Beasley. Um, listen, there, there are three or four guys on this team um, that, you know, are capable of putting up 20 points a night. I mean, you know, Cox, um, Sexton did it um, like two years ago, or was it a year ago? No, so two 20, years
0: ago. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah,
1: Sexton did it two years ago. Um, I think Lloyd Markin is capable of doing it, and I think that um, Beasley Beasley did it a couple of years ago. Um, Jordan Clarkson is capable of doing it if he takes enough shots. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's scoring on this roster.
0: I am very interested to see what Sexton can do with the spacing they have the ability to give him. And I have a question on Clarkson, actually. Is this, you know, he has the player option for next year, um, is this someone that they could keep around as sort of a, a vibes guy for the rebuild? Because when you look at his age, it doesn't necessarily align with what they'd be trying to do, but he seems to really enjoy it in Utah, which I think is, you know, kind of a big deal.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, he wants to be in Utah is it goes, you know, beyond like um, you know, he enjoys it here. You know, he's he actively wants to be there. Um, you know, and I think a jazz need all those guys that they can get. So um, you know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Jordan. Um, you know, there haven't been really any talks on long-term extensions yet. But you know, the the, the Jazz can extend Jordan if they want him, if they want to, right? Um, you know, but um, you know, he's he's a guy that's uh, a leader in the locker room. He's a guy that um, um, I think will be a leader on the floor, and you know, and, and it looks like he's going to be a starter this year. Um, or at least at the beginning of the year, which is uh, atypical to to how the rest of his career has gone.
0: You kind of already mentioned that nine of the rotation spots to start the year are locked up with having Conley, Clarkson, marketing, Vanderbilt, Olinux, Sexton, Beasley, um, Kessler, and Rudy Gay. What would be your prediction for how they fill out that 10th spot? There'll be a lot we know there'll be a lot of experimental stuff going here, but if you had to pick someone who logs a lion's share of that that 10 spot minutes would be to be the 10th, most played played player on this team. Who would you bank on?
1: I'd probably go with uh, Taylor Horton Tucker at this point. Um, just because he can really adequately swing between anywhere between the one to two or the three. Um, and, you know, he's shown, he's shown an ability uh, to get into the lane and be able to score. Um you Know, I need somebody that puts pressure on a defense off the dribble. So, um, I my my guess right now will be t- uh Taylor Horton Tucker,
0: yeah. He's part of my weirdo lineup, which we'll get to in a second. But let's this team will be trying to win games in crunch time. Let's just lay that out like, let's let's assume that that's the case. What do you think winds up being their go to crunch time lineup? Is it just what we project the
1: starting five to be right now? Probably the starting five, um, you know. Um, I don't know if, if if I can really project that because we haven't seen them really in a crunch time. Um, you know, uh, they've you know I think that a lot of that'll be uh, hashed out. You know, uh, over the first couple of weeks of the season, I'm sure they'll. You know, it might not be in their first three or four games, but I'm sure at some point in the first two weeks they'll play a close game. Uh, that that's a possession game down the stretch at some point. So, you know, I think we'll see it then, but, you know, I think that, you know, um, you know, Conley will definitely be on the floor. I think the marketing will definitely be on the floor. Uh, And then, you know, beyond those two, we'll we'll probably have to see.
0: I would, and I don't know if this is like diabolical, and I know he's a rookie. I would just absolutely have Kessler out there all the time. I think he probably, we were talking about worry, being worried about their rim protection and he's like their best bet at kind of yeah, generating, anything sure. like that. not even
1: close. <laughs> um, you know, their lack of rim protections. I mean, it might, it's it honestly might impressive. With, if we're being honest, it, it's honestly impressive. It, it might be what saved Yudoka as a Buki. Um, okay. it might be to be, honest, I mean, honestly, it might, it might have saved his roster spot because they have such a dearth of rim protection. Um, and you know, uh, protecting the paint is what he does well. So, You know, I think that, um, you know, that, that honestly might, might might've saved a spot this year.
0: You're Will Hardy. What is one weirdo bonkers, quirky offbeat lineup that you're throwing out there this season? Um,
1: uh, let's see. That might be tough for me to answer because I'm not a weirdo clunky lineup kind of guy. Um,
0: doesn't have to be clunky. Mine is the opposite. Or weird,
1: I'm not a really weirdo lineup kind of guy. Um, like I know that people will be like, "Oh, well, throw Laurie marketing at the five. Well, you can't really do that for long stretches because you'll just give up layups. Um, you know. Um, I, I think that. Okay, so um, I can give you mine if you want to munch on yours. No, no, no. I want to. I want to fit. So, Mike Conley, um, Clarkson, um, um, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Mike um, Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Lloyd Marketing, Rudy Gay, and, um, you know, uh, Udoka has a bookie. Okay. <laughs> That's I just- Yes I just thought because you have you'll have two shooting experience
0: with the vets I dig it just no, you have two shooting forwards forward.
1: you can play marketing at the three um, you know your shooters around them and then you know just kind of you know see if uh, you can have vertical spacing with 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 uh, doke at the five.
0: I would love to see Talon, Horton Tucker surrounded by size and shooting at the same time. Something I've just never been able to see in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I would go him with Beasley, Marketing, Olinic, and I, I think I'd put Kessler in there anyway because Vanderbilt's not going to. Kessler has a better chance of space in the floor at this point than Vanderbilt does. And either way, you probably trust Kessler even more as a finisher if you're going to give him the space to do it. So I'd love to see that lineup. And it's point guardless. Like, I just. There's so much angularity to Horton Tucker's game. It's just so like. It's just so unique that if you just give him a ton of space and guys that he could dump it off to or kick it out to, I just wonder if there'd be something there.
1: I don't know how that team would dribble.
0: Taylor Horton Tucker would pound the ball in, into the ground. I don't know if it would end yeah. well. I, just, I, I need to see it. I, that's what – I just want to see it. And I can be like an idiot with the Jazz Lions because they, they are in full-on self-discovery mode at this point. Hey, listen,
1: that's that's the thing. That is the beauty of this, like – you know, it's so, it's so much self-discovery to be had, you know, for this team this year because, like, you know, there's there's no expectation whatsoever in terms of wins and losses. Um, and it's just like, yeah, go out there and just, you know, kind of have at it. So, you know, I mean, you know, I'm halfway kidding with this, but we might see Laurie marketing play the point at some point this year.
0: Do it. Do it. <laughs> or Do it. I would be absolutely here for that. I don't I'd do it. Play, play as with Kessler and Vanderbilt marketing and Olenek. And then a marketing has to be the, the point guard in that situation. Just get it yeah. done and see what happens. I have two over unders for you. So if I set the over under on the number of these players that get traded at 2.5 this year, Mike Conley, Clarkson, marketing, Beasley, Vanderbilt, Rudy Gay and O'Linick, would you take the over or the under on that? <sighs>
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. Um I, I'm not really I'm not really sure if I'm the right guy to a- answer that. Um because I hate speculating on that kind of stuff. I'll I call Danny Gage
0: once we're done and I'll I'll get him to, to I, I him will
1: I will say this. Um I think that um I think that if Mike Conley you know goes 17 and 8, 17 and 9, 18 and 8, something like that and by the deadline the Jazz are able to get a first round pick for him, then you know that's a win for both sides because I think more than anybody on this roster Mike Conley deserves to play for a winner and I think the Jazz really want to do right about Mike right right by Mike so like I think that if some team comes in and says hey we really need a point guard for our stretch run Mike's having a really yeah, good year sorry. <laughs> Mike's having a really good year here's a first round pick um then you know I think the Jazz will listen so you know that that part is interesting for me
0: He's had, I know he's had some wonky moments over the past two postseasons, but he's been legitimately good. And I'm surprised that I know he has the huge guarantee on the second year of his deal. And I know well, the final year of his deal, excuse me. And I know that he's a little bit older, but he's still just really, really good. And so I'm surprised there wasn't more interest surrounding him this offseason. Maybe it's a matter of teams want to see what they have, like once the offseason settles before they go into that mode. I don't know what the Jazz could ultimately get for him, but I would actually be fairly surprised. Like we would have to see him be bad, which one I don't expect. And then two, I'd just be fairly surprised if there wasn't a ton of interest in him at the trade deadline.
1: Yeah. Well, he's, he's somebody who I think is still a starter in this league, um, um, for sure. Um, and, and he's, you know, he's still really, really good. He's, I think he's the best player on the team right now. And, um, you know, I think that he's going to have a really good year, um, you know, cause he's playing for something. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, I think that, you know, he's should have had more value on the market. Um, you know, but, you know, I think that if he stays healthy, I think he's going to have a big year.
0: I, my conspiracy theory is, is that the magic are going to fall ass backwards into contending for a play in playoff spot. And then Mike Conley would just be perfect for them. When you look at the guard play that they currently have to choose from. So that's just the team that I'm randomly – because everyone wants to mention Dallas and these other teams. I need to go off the beaten path a little bit. And I'm just like, you know what, Orlando viewing him as sort of a short-term solution because they're better than expected? That's the team I have my eye on. In part because Charlotte sucks. They're going to suck so much that I just think like one of – probably Orlando is the team that I'm just looking at these. It's like, oh, they're going to outperform expectations by quite a bit. You don't look at Chicago? And get sad? Yeah, I definitely look at Chicago and get
1: sad. Well, you don't look at Chicago oh, as for- a team that can use Mike Conley?
0: I guess if we don't think Lonzo is going to play this season, their salary stuff is just so weird that I just don't know who you end up trading for Mike Conley. Like, are you trading Vooch for Mike Conley? That gets really weird.
1: You're not going to trade DeRozan
0: or Levine for Mike Conley. Um, Right, right. Man, you just depressed me. The Bulls are sad. I miss Lonzo already. Um, They're starting to eye you at the point. Mm -hmm. I do
1: love him. I do like him, too, as well. He does,
0: like, literally everything. Like, he was defending, like, fours and fives last year. He was just all over the place.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: This team's over under as we record is twenty three and a half wins. Now I wouldn't, I would steer clear of anything jazz related this year. But would you go over or under
1: on that? Uh, I think I go over. I'm somewhere between twenty nine and thirty two wins with them, because I, I just think that they're going to play hard enough, and they have enough talent on the roster to to win to, to win to win some games. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a chance that they are four and 16 in their first 20 with the record, I mean, with the the, the schedule that they, they have. Um, but I think that they're going to win some games on the back end uh, with the talent that they have uh, unless they really purge themselves uh, by the trade deadline. So I agree, I agree that, that 32.
0: Yeah, I would agree that this is low. I just and you don't like speculating, so that's fine. I will be flabbergasted if Danny Ainge does not have the purge at some point. I'm just that's what I'm expecting, and that's what leads me to go under. And also because you had mentioned before, I so saw you mentioned it somewhere else where he came on here about how difficult the opening schedule is, and that sort of allows you to rack up right. early losses while right. still being not terrible. So I'm right. just. I think I'm trying to manifest Jazz's fans' hopes here too because a lot of them have been my mentions saying like, oh, we're going to be too good. Don't let us be too good. And I'm like, you know what? Danny Ainge has got you covered. You're not going to be too good. But that is you – know, and, and, my,
1: and what I would say with Jazz fans is, you know, only one team is getting Victor Wimbayana. And,
0: Scoot Henderson you know, looks pretty good. I'd take him I mean, as a
1: – It doesn't even matter with Scoot this, this This draft is so loaded that it's going to be, you know, unless your scouting department really sucks – it's gonna be hard to come out of this draft without a really good prospect.
0: So Phoenix Suns fans should be really happy that they're not gonna be in the lottery this year, <laughs> is basically what you're getting at.
1: Um I mean, Yeah. I mean, there's just there's just guys all the way through the first round. This this is I mean, you know, I you know, I know sometimes it sounds like lip service, but this is really a draft that's just um just kind of you know generationally deep with 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 uh with guys who can play.
0: Is there, like, a team or teams in the West that you'd be willing to say, okay, they're definitely going to be worse than the Jazz this season? Not even making, a like, necessarily a prediction, but you're so confident. Like, I think there's probably the Spurs. Like, they just seem like they're going to be, like, maybe one of the most flagrant take jobs in the league. And then, like, maybe OKC, okay, I go back and forth on them because Shea's really good. They don't have Chet Holmgren. Um, the West is just, it kind of gets weird at the bottom.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think maybe, maybe Houston, you know, maybe OKC, maybe, uh, maybe San Antonio. But you know, I th- I even think that if you keep San Antonio together, I mean, they they have stuff there, like Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell. Like those guys are good players, yeah, and they're, they're really good players on the wings. Um, you know, so I mean, Pertle, you know, he's he's a guy that you know. Uh, who's a definite starting starting center in this league? Um, they have guys who can shoot the ball, and you know, so I, I definitely, you know, I I, I definitely like what they what they're doing down there. Um, you know, so I mean, you know, I think that some of the, some of this stuff, you know, you got to let play out uh, for the season, um, but you know, I, I definitely think that. Um, you know, with the Jazz, you know, I mean, by the end of this first twenty, we're gonna know um, specifically where where stuff is going. Because if they're ten and ten through the first twenty, somehow ten and ten through the first twenty, the, the the Jazz front office is gonna be like, go ahead, go ahead and play as hard as you want. And if they're two and eighteen through the first twenty, you know, the Jazz front office might, you know, say, hey, Mike, you know, look you know, go, uh, go on this vacation to the Caribbean for two or three weeks. You know, we're just going to say that you have a sprained ankle. So, you know.
0: Is there anyone or anything about this team we didn't discuss uh, that you think needs to be, be discussed?
1: Um, just that I think it's, it's really imperative for uh, the, the, the Jazz to get this rebuild right. Um, you know, they got the rebuild about 85% right. um, And that got them to the best record in the league in 2021. And because they did not get the last 15% right on the margins, um, that error fell apart. Um, With a small market, the way you are with a small market, there's no margin for error. We're very, very little margin for error. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Jazz are going to have to not only get the big stuff right in this next rebuild, but they're going to have to get the little stuff right as well.
0: I do think they're off to a good start with the big stuff. Just you give yourself as many bites of the draft apple. And you what? mentioned how much they control with Cleveland, Minnesota, plus their own odds are like you're going to have some really, you know, red carpet level picks here and i think that to me is the best way to start rebuilding and then you're right on the little things because there was just so much just extracurricular shit surrounding this team at one point that just was very uncharacteristic of a team that was supposed to be as good as they were and they always felt like they were it wasn't even i wouldn't even they were half a player short of like winning a title all the time i felt it's just like and right. it could have been more than that in some years but it was never this huge glaring hole it was well if they had like a half a
1: player better they would have right. maybe have won
0: a championship, and so like that's that has to sting to think about too as you usher in like this next era.
1: Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you may raise a good point. You know, um, with this team, so with the last era, you know, the highest draft pick that they had was number five, and they picked Dante Axum. So they missed on that, right? <laughs> so they they missed on they missed on the the one top five pick that they got. Um Now, admittedly, admittedly, in the Jazz's defense, that turned out to be what a two-player draft.
0: Yeah, that's that draft was whew,
1: that was it, rough. It turned out to be Wiggins and Embiid. So, and for you know, so long, it was probably a one-player draft, if we're being honest, until they right. got traded. thing. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that turned. So, you know, that you know, I mean, Marcus Smart, you know. I'm talking about in terms of star level guys.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot Smart was in there too. But yeah, you're right. But, in terms of star. For but he's sure. not
1: a star level guy. He's you know, he's he's a star level role player. And and Wiggins is a star level role player, but you know, he was an all-star. So we're gonna put him in star level guys. So <laughs> um all-star starter. Sorry, I got it wrong. I'm
0: trying That's to figure the, out what uh, means more last season. Wiggins being an all-star starter or DeJounte Murray getting the all-star injury replacement. I kind of feel like Murray's actually means more because it wasn't tied to the fan vote. But I'm hey, sorry, listen. please
1: carry on. Wiggins earned it and then some in the playoffs. So, I don't he have Did, I do.
0: There were executives who voted for him as like the best perimeter defender in the league, which I still thought was wild, but he he was the second best player on a finals team. There's no you have no, yeah. you're not going to catch any arguing from me on that.
1: No, so, I mean, so you know, that turned in, so the the point being that turned into a two-player draft. Um and but that was the only top five pick that they had through that whole era. So um, you know, they had one other so that they, they had uh one other lottery pick, I believe, and they traded that for George Hill. Um and that, and that we, pick we turned into George in, Hill was so good, yeah. And that but that turned into Torian Prince. That, that pick turned into Torian Prince. So you know, the Jazz probably made the right move there. So, but the the whole thing is, you know, they built that around Gordon Hayward. They have one top five pick. You know, this this rebuild, right, they're going to have a, they're in all likelihood going to have a lottery pick this year to start it off. Um, where, where in a lottery it is, that remains to be seen. Um, but, You know, you've got – you're controlling Cleveland and Minnesota's drafts in 2025, 2026, 2027, 2028, and 2029. So that puts the onus on Minnesota and Cleveland to be really, really good for five straight years. Both of those teams. That's hard. Look at how quick they're closing in the NBA. No injuries, no nothing. Yep. So – in all likelihood, the Jazz are going to have more than one lottery pick uh, in, in this deterioration of, of the rebuild. So, you know, we'll see what they do there. Uh, we'll see what they do. Um, you know, like I said, they're going to have $30 million in cap space. We'll see what they do there. They're going to have, you know, so many first-round picks that they're going to be able to trade some picks for guys. So we'll see what they, we'll see what they do there. Uh, they just have an insane amount of assets um, to, to do a lot of stuff with that the last era didn't have. So we'll see what happens.
0: It's gonna, they're going to be just fascinating to follow from so many perspectives this year, even if you're only into transactions, but also just sort of trying to figure out what they are on the floor. Tony, for anyone who may have skipped the intro, are you able to tell our listeners where they can find you and all the great work that you do?
1: Uh, you can find me at T. Jones on the NBA, and you can find me in the pages of The Athletic.
0: He does great work over there. I love reading his stuff. Thank you so much for doing this campfire again with me this year. And I'm sure, as you know, by now, I will be spamming your DMs again in the future. (laughs) For sure. Thank you so much.